Good evening, and welcome back to the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy, Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, evening, everyone. Yeah, hopefully everyone is starting to put last weekend behind them, um, or a couple weeks ago behind them. We are trying to get back on the horse a little bit today, letting everybody know we will be here through the rest of the JMU sports calendar this year, um, and hopefully right into the off-season. So, as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the uh, tap room there in town and mention this podcast, and you will get a free pint glass. And it's a good time of the year to get down there and enjoy some probably tastier dark beers. So, for all, for all the stuff we get for our IPAs, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely stout season. Yes. So, um, that's really... Um, we did want to let you guys know tonight we're going to do – Rob's going to give us a little update on men's hoops. We're going to kind of bring us out of football, try to dig out from under the uh, mountain of misery that we're, <laughs> we've all been under the last week or so. And then I'm going to try to give us a little bit of an update on where women's hoops stands. And we should say, first of all, we know it's coming to the end of the season for a few of the winter teams already. It was senior day for the swim and dive team already, at least their last home meet. So congrats to those kids and good luck as the postseason approaches. Um, We'll be talking hoops tonight and then we'll do a little overtime and we'll try to trim these down at least until we get really caught up with basketball right now, uh, at least on the men's side. There's not all that much to talk about. I, so. I think it's probably best to keep it brief. That's right. That's right. So, oh, jeez. It's yeah. a little depressing. Yeah. So, Rob, you want to um, go ahead and catch everyone up a little bit on where things stand or don't stand with the men's program? Yeah, well, well, not good record-wise. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think there's already a bit of angst over um, it's too early. Coach Lou Rowe, which, right. is, which is ludicrous. I mean, we, could, we could have a discussion about that if you wanted to, but – I think that's insane. Um, mm-hmm. Todd, you and I have talked about it. And yep. I'm a big hoops guy. I've gotten caught up in football like everybody else, and that's kind of become my priority. But I, I was a much bigger college basketball fan growing up than I was college football. And certainly my time at JMU, I was, I was really dialed in mm-hmm. to the basketball team. Um, football, not, not so much. <laughs> um, I mean, I actually went to the games, which right. was somewhat unique. You did too. We, yeah. we were some of, the, of our friends. We were some yep. of the only ones that did. But um, I was definitely much more of a fan and followed the hoops team. I think even I was. I just thought, like, yeah, oh, I mean, they're going to have. They might have a chance to make the tournament. You know? Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah. It was just a different sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, you know, you you could see whatever. I mean, ODU was was good, and back then, like Richmond, ECU, it was a different conference, but mm-hmm. the, the games were much more of events than football games for yeah. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's kind of rough the state of JMU hoops. Um, it got real bad as, as longtime fans have known, you know, the Dillard yeah, and Keener years yes. were not kind. Brady came in and um, I thought did an admirable job. Uh, I was a big fan of Brady. Mm-hmm. He was always great to us, personally. I had a mm-hmm. lot of fun talking hoops with him when we met him. I do agree it was time time for the first split. Um, yeah. not, not that he wasn't a good coach. I actually think he's an excellent coach mm-hmm. uh, in terms of X's and O's. Jamie, you need to do something different. It, there just wasn't a real fit there. Um, with the total program and, and certain things. So I think it's better that everybody broke off. That being said, I, I'm I'm not sure what the heck happened to kind of go from Brady saying he wasn't getting it done, he had gotten us to this level where he plateaued, and then to essentially reboot and start over again with an unproven head coach. Right. Um, completely perplexed. I don't get it. Uh, uh, Roe might eventually be the guy. I think we've seen so far that uh, he's got a lot of positives in terms of what he wants 
the program to be and kind of the off the court and his passion for JMU and, and being a little more tied into the community uh, and certainly recruiting. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've upgraded the talent in a major way. Yeah. But he, he's still learning the X's and O's part. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. We're, we're guaranteed another losing season. What are, right now, what are we sitting at? Four and 15? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, dead last, haven't won a game in the CAA. They have been some heartbreaking losses. Um, they sure have. And I know we're coming off of a heartbreaking loss for any Saints fans out there. I mean, that was just getting your, your heart ripped out. <laughs> That's what it's like watching JMU basketball every single game. <sighs> I, it, it's stunning the way that they can kind of pull defeat from the jaws of victory. It's, it's just nuts. Like, if you go back, look at the season. They, they lost to Radford. You know, they were winning with like a minute to go. Um, gave up a buzzer beater. Mason... That was just a complete debacle, and that one was a weird situation. The refs were – it was like, what, they blow a seven-point lead with under a minute? Oh, yeah, and then uh, that's not even half of what they did to William & Mary. Yeah, <laughs> William – I mean, Richmond, a, what a, Richmond, you know, hit a, yeah. hit a three, essentially, at the buzzer. I think there was a second left. Jamie might have gotten inbound the ball mm-hmm. to win. Hofstra, uh, buzzer beater, descended OT, and then they just lost by, like, six points. Mm-hmm. William & Mary last week was one of – the weirdest things I've ever seen yeah. and the fact that William and Mary fans online were justifiably going crazy. You know, Jamie was up 20 and playing really, really well. They were guarding them well, mm-hmm. playing really good defense against a tribe team that can shoot the lights out, um, mm-hmm. but cannot play any defense. <laughs> right. That is that that's their Achilles heel. And you talk about the CAA this year, I think the theme would be can't play defense. Uh, it's not the CAA rock fights of old, no. you know, these 43, 41 games. There's a lot of games in the eighties. Um, part of that is there, there's some real shooters nowadays, but also it's just it's absolutely despicable defense. Nobody yes. can guard the three. Yep. Nobody can play transition D. There's a lot of fouling. Um, it's really quite ugly if, if you're a fan of fundamental D. But William Merriman, this comeback, you know, down 20, and then I think, what was it, a nine-point lead with like 55 seconds? Yeah, I mean, it was some Maryland Duke back-in-the-day yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was really, really atrocious. Yeah, And it was it was nuts. I mean, I, I think Jamie hit like four of ten free throws down the stretch. Um, and there were a couple times, we don't need to call any guys out, they're young, but there were guys who went to the line who looked like they wanted to be anywhere <laughs> on the free throw <laughs> That's line. That's right. I mean, it was, it was just brutal. Um, but the weirdest way, the weirdest thing about it was all the William Mary fans were like, oh my gosh, what a miracle. Anything and every Jamie fan I talked to is like, yeah, I knew they were going to lose. Yep. And, and that wasn't after the fact. I mean, people were saying, I think Chase Kitty tweeted it with like, <laughs> how are they going to lose this one? He's yeah. like, how are they going to lose? And people were responding like, I don't, I don't know. I think they'll blow it. or just... It's just weird. And then they did the same thing against <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> then, they, then they said, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. The next game. I mean, yeah. They, they, they let Delaware close on an 8-0 run to lose. So it's, it's really weird. You know, that, that's like, what, six or seven games completely yep. winnable. Mm-hmm. That if you win, you're looking at, hey, wow, you know that this team's this team's pretty good. You're you're getting a lot done this year, a lot of progress. But it's not not going that way. No, I, so I do. It, yeah. it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds extremely negative in a weird way. I'm actually kind of optimistic, um, and I know the the bar is kind of set in a very low place for JMU hoops. <laughs> but like, if you remember the Keener or the Dillard years, right. those teams were not competitive. No. And that was embarrassing. That, that, they, all the guys tried hard, but they just could not put together a roster to compete with the rest of the CAA. It was a different CAA, mind yeah. you. You know, mm-hmm. there's some different teams there. But this team, it's just like, they, they can't close. And, and part of that, I think, is inexperience. Part of it, 
quite frankly, is coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the late game decision making, um, well, it's it's new to him. He, he he's a second year head coach. I don't think the book is closed. No. Monroe. I, I'm actually optimistic because of the talent. Um, the guys like Stucky Mosley. I mean, that guy's a player. If yep. You get to watch him. He's averaging what 18, 19 points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Lewis. Mm-hmm. I really, really like his confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not shooting that well, but I love the fact that you know he's got that jump shooter's mentality and he just keeps going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked a better shot at the end of regulation uh, for the for the William Mary game, but I also love the fact that Lewis, as a freshman, was totally comfortable, you know, trying to create his own shot. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of Javel Phillips, really good, really good rebounder, mm-hmm. uh, the likes of which we haven't seen in certainly in the last three or four years at JMU. Um, Banks is really good. I think Ramon Snowden, Snowden has taken a step forward this year. Seems to, yep. Um, so, I mean, th- there's a lot of talent on the roster, and they're in these games. It's just brutal. I mean, they say, like, you need to learn how to win. You know, like, winning right. is a skill and closing out. Yep. And and I think there's some validity to that. I, I think that's probably why you have a guy like Patrick Ewing scheduling that awful, awful, <laughs> yeah. you know, Georgetown right. schedule. Um but you build that confidence. You learn how to win. And then when you get in these situations, you close out. I mean, it, I, I kind of had my eye on it for a while and really have been watching the games, you know, the past couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And it really is just one of those things like the team seems to tighten up uh, with the game on the line. The coaches seem to tighten up. You know, they don't use a lot of timeouts. They, you know, the William Mary game, they weren't using any timeouts. And I believe the line was, oh, we were talking to them, you know, during Shavers timeouts. Right. Yeah, but still, in a close game, you yeah. use them. Yeah. Use them. And close Control game, a bunch of, yep. with a bunch of freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Mosley, like guys that are, you know, transfers. And these guys are not experienced end-of-game players. Mm-mm. That's when you need to, to take a moment, um, particularly well, t- when we've seen them just kind of fade like this down the stretch. It's really frustrating. Well, and they've been without McLean the last couple games as well. And I think they only had like eight scholarship players the last two games. Yeah. You know, so they, they are, I mean, it it's is, a short bench. Yeah. I mean, they're playing with one, one or two guys who have more than one year of college experience and then a bunch of freshmen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of learning to go. And I think you're right. I, I think it's way too early to freak out about coach Rowe yet. Um, oh, it's way too early. I mean, it, it, the idea yeah. of like, first of all, it's JMU. It, it, CA schools, mid-major schools don't fire coaches mid-season. That, that's, right. that's how you take a, potentially bad situation and make it infinitely worse. Well, and the same um, things that make us happier about Roe over Brady in the recruiting up front are hopeful are, are going to be challenged here in the sense that, you know, we saw with Brady, you know, one of the things that was really difficult for Brady as good as he was in practice and in the games from what we could see from the outside was he just, he wasn't a, you know, super dynamic recruiter with the kind of personality that was, you know, connecting with all these kids and he didn't have anything to sell in Harrisonburg. I mean, he had yeah. the the, con- the ancient convo and Harrisonburg and he's recruiting against, you know, programs, VCU, George Mason, Old Dominion, who have all had, you know, big things to sell in the last 10 years. And it was tough for him. And then when things, w- if things went bad at all, he lost those kids. Um, he, lo- you know, he had a lot of kids transferred out of the program and that is the reality of life at the low major level. And at any level. At any level. I mean, you, yeah. get, you know, the, the Dukes and UNCs are the world lose players. To That's right. You know? And um, one thing we've seen from Coach Rowe already is, you know, you can say what you want. And I, I think Brady coached the kids to the maximum of their ability at times. 
But there's guys on the team right now. You know, there were years, those last couple of years with Brady, where Jackson Kent was the best athlete, best player on the team, and that can't be. That can't be your best player, and that's no, not a knock, not a knock on Jackson Kent, who's. But Jack, oh, Jackson yeah. Kent was kind of when he came to school. I think both of us were like, "Wow, this guy could be a really good sixth man." That's right. on a contending yeah. team, and I think due to the nature of the way he played, like he seemed to play better under Rowe. Um, I don't know if it's confidence or mm-hmm. if he really like, but he seemed to really at times be up and down, um, kind of with the emotions of the game, and it's like he you could see the poor guy lose his confidence when he was found a role and found a niche. He was a very good basketball player. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. He's not the type of guy you want anchoring a roster that you expect to compete night in, you know, and compete yeah. for titles in the CAA. That's right. And I think now, Coach Rowe, you know, things have gone a little off track already, or quite yeah. a bit off track already this year. And it will be a challenge to, but if he can keep his top three or four guys around and bring in another class, I, I think he definitely deserves a shot. Rob and I were both, you know, a, we were fans of Lou Rowe generally as a player and as a oh, JMU guy. Right, he was right. my favorite player when we were right. in school. Yeah. And as a JMU guy. But we were both and we were both critical at the time they hired Rowe just for the process the way the process went. The fact that you ended up with a guy that you didn't need to do a huge search for. It didn't seem yeah. like to us, right? But and I'm it just you. didn't seem like the type of guy like you you I thought we were parting ways with Brady We like school was parting ways with Brady. <laughs> Because they believe, like, hey, the, these 21 cent, the 21 seasons are kind of hollow. Um, you know, you play more games, and they're 20 wins, but, you know, doing it by beating up on the bottom half of the CAA, not really winning weekend games in the tournament. So it's just like, hey, you got us to that level. That's great. You know, you took JMU when, when he took over. It was in the pits. Right. Um, hey, you made it respectable. They're like, we expect more. Well, then just to start over again was just an odd, odd decision. You know, and to go, and to go cheap. Yeah. Um, well, so and I hope, weird. I hope that um, Jamie's administration has learned from some of the mistakes they made during Brady's tenure as well, which is, you know, it, see, it sure seemed in 2013 like they were probably at the end with Brady. And yeah. then they made that run in the, in the sort of that weird CAA tournament where there were only seven eligible teams because Mason was leaving the conference. And, and Jamie was starting a couple 25-year-old seniors. Yeah, and there were yeah. ki- two teams on APR suspension that year. And yeah. there were only seven teams in the tournament. And so Jamie had to win three games, and they did. And it was ton of, tons of fun. And then we got to go to the tournament, and they you know, won the, whatever, the play-in game. And then they got to go play Indiana, and that was a lot of fun. And JMU was put in the position of really being – I mean, they couldn't – you know, I think they thought at the time they couldn't let Brady go and they had to re-sign him. But I think that's the kind of thing that the long-term thinking, if you were going to get rid of him before, what's, you know, was, was winning a seven-team CAA tournament enough to change that opinion? I know as fans we thought so at the time, but from a strategic planning kind of standpoint, you know, I'd like to see them stick, you know, make their plan and stick to it a little bit. And this time with Roe, I have to assume their plan was to have Roe here building towards the new combo or the new arena. And, you know, I'd hate to see them. I mean, if it's bad, it's bad. And I know for the fans in the Valley who get to, who go to the games, it's obviously super frustrating right now. But to me, it doesn't matter. This year, it doesn't matter whether they win 10 games or 15 games to me. Right. I mean, I don't care if they're eight and 22 or if they're 15 and 15, the only chance they have anybody in the CAA has of making the tournament is winning the conference tournament. And the only thing that really matters to JMU this year is making progress in terms of building up talent and getting your kids more experience. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, like, I, I didn't expect much this year. I, I didn't think they'd be 
Yeah, I didn't think they'd do this, this bad. Yeah. But but they're not getting blown out. Um, I mean, it is. It's kind of all you can do is laugh with some of these endings. It's just it's weird the way it's going. <laughs> it's comical. Yeah. But I thought JMU going into it, I was like, you know what? They're not going to contend. Probably won't be top half. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to see some real strides, and I think they're going to be one of those kind of proverbial tough outs down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some players. And I think that's what's happening. I mean, even though they haven't won a game, I mm-hmm. don't think there's teams anxious to play them. No. I, I, I think teams are actually like, whoa. I mean, when you take William Mary to overtime, um, William Mary was, you know, hadn't lost a game in the league at that point. They lost right. to Towson following up. Um, but I, they're – they're not an easy team to play. It's not like the Keener was a virtual buy. Right. No, um, no. And I, I really like this Lewis kid. And that, that hurts me. As somebody who went to Paul the Six, he went to O'Connell, a big <laughs> rival. And that's like, you know, Richmond to, to JMU. Um, right. But he's really good. I, I, like, I like this Jacobs guy. I, I think he needs, he's starting to get a little more playing time with McLean out, and certainly Lewis is too. Mm-hmm. They both seem to be taking advantage of it. I think Jacobs just needs to build the confidence a little bit. He mm-hmm. seems like a little bit gun shy at times, but he's got a lot of talent. I really like Banks. I love Phillips. Um, the CAA is not a super strong. I was going to say, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's not great, but I think that Roe still has definitely has strides that he needs to make as a coach. But I'm optimistic he can recruit well enough to kind of cover up some of those things as he learns. There's a lot of positives with him. And the CAA is good enough for you. You get lucky with two or three recruits. Mm-hmm. That can be enough to carry you to win this league. You know, it's not like it was five or six years ago. No, definitely not. Yeah. So that's that's, that's really all we have to say, I think. Right, Rob? On the men's Yeah, side. I mean, I it's, mean it's, 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 it, the record isn't there. Nope. But I'm telling you, if you watch these games um, – it's a more entertaining team. They're more athletic. They play better. They're just, they're very young. Um, mm-hmm. And then you learn how to close out games. But I don't know. Rowan ain't going anywhere. We don't think he should. I think give him time. Yeah, um, I don't think he's going anywhere this year. No, yeah. I think next, if you have another, you know, single digit win next season, well, whatever. Right. I mean, unless they've got some sort of Cleveland Browns, Hugh Jackson type relationship where they're just determined to see it out. Right. I think that's when you maybe start looking at making a move. But, mm-hmm. um, not happen this year to support them watch them the team is better than its record is, is basically my point yeah i think that's right so with that we'll move on over to a more pleasant subject for the moment uh we'll go to the women's side of the um, of the basketball arena and talk about a team that we were really nervous about we uh rob and i talked to coach o'regan preseason and he was really excited about his team and really excited about his opportunity and we really like the guy and we felt the same way, but he acknowledged and, and we talked about the fact that, that this program is one that for over a decade, going back to Tamara Young and Don Evans and Precious Hall most recently, has had a, a really a su- true superstar on the roster almost every year. And this was the first year that there was no one that jumped out at you a- as being that kind of a stud player. And, you know, I think Coach O'Regan was honest in saying that he was concerned about that and he was putting the pressure on some players to step up. But the season in the out-of-conference portion did not start the way that we've become accustomed to JMU's women's basketball team starting. No, I was, I was worried about a JMU-SB jinx. Yeah, I was, I was definitely worried about that. So they went 4-7 and seven, uh, in out-of-conference play. Some of those are obviously understandable. They played Tennessee. They played a top rank, you know, 13th-ranked Florida State. They played Rutgers. But they also had games, the, the last game that they lost, um, kind of right before Christmas, they went to Dayton and just got destroyed 
They lost by almost 30 points to a Dayton team that I, nobody could tell you whether they're good or not. And we were all really concerned. And that's when they sat at, I guess they were actually three and seven at that point. And we were getting really nervous. And since then, they've won six straight. Uh, they won a, a kind of meaningless out-of-conference game to close the out-of-conference schedule. But they've won their first five in the CAA, including wins over sort of co-favorites. This year, there were two or three teams right up there that everybody expected before the season. Certainly, JMU and Elon, who have been the kind of heavyweights the last few years, were right there in Drexel as well. And JMU has knocked off Drexel and Elon in this first five-game stretch. They're the only unbeaten team in the league. It does look funny because obviously JMU is 9-7 and seven overall, and Drexel, Delaware, and William & Mary all have much better overall records, uh, but are all 4-1 and one or 3-2 and two in the conference. So, and they've really developed a player. Kamaya Smalls has done what I think Coach O'Regan told us about before the season, has begun to step into that kind of alpha dog role and leads the team in scoring and you know, had a big game against Elon most recently. Uh, the team has been playing. He's been going nine players deep. I think almost everybody on the roster has played this year, and almost everyone plays consistent. Nine players play consistently, so they've gotten really good contributions from the tech transfer Kelly Kashuda inside. Uh, Ashley Cooper Williams has been great. Kayla Cooper Williams, excuse me, has been great for them uh, this year, leading the team in rebounds and blocks. They've gotten some extra. Block shots from Devin sophomore, young player Devin Merritt lately. Uh, certainly, uh, and Lexi Barrier has been kind of the third option on the offensive end uh, she, after Smalls and Kashuda. Uh, Kashuda doesn't play a ton of minutes, but does score a lot of points in those minutes. So that's been kind of interesting to see. They have... Which has not really been a hallmark of it. I mean, I think we'll no. see it different under Oregon, but Kenny Brooks's teams were usually based around one player, and one player... Um, with a high volume offense, yeah, yeah, that's you know, like I mean, just, mm-hmm. just good players, and you looked at it, you're like, wow, man, all these scoring <laughs> X points a game, but just chucking it up, yes, I mean, it, you know, taking like 40, 50 percent of the of the team's field goals, it was it was nuts, it was, and that usually hurt them come come tournament time. Yeah, it did. It, you know, it did, and and this team has not shot the ball well, and I think the opposite of the men's side of the CAA, the women's side this year. Is, uh, is offensively challenged. So uh, I don't know what Jamie shoots as a team, but it's, it's under 40% as a team from the, from the field. And I don't think that that's uncommon in this league right now. So no. they, they are shooting the th- – they're not shooting the three well at all. They're well under 30% shooting the three. That's something that obviously the last few years – but I will say the one thing that kind of gives you hope with Kayla Cooper-Williams, Kelly Kishuda, and Devin Merritt is – you know, Jamie's maybe they're turning into a little bit more of an inside team this year. And that may mm-hmm. be the way to win in this kind of, this is more of the rock fight version of the CAA. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that, that may be a good thing for them this year. They've been, you know, they've been so, like you said, last year or last few years, they were so reliant on Precious Hall chucking up 35, 30 shots a game. Yeah, and I mean, hoping she she'd done. make 15. Yeah, she got it done, right? But and, it's just, it's a tough way, you know. If, it is. If your star player has an off night, you're pretty much cooked. Yeah. And um, so they, they've really righted the ship. And I think that's impressive from both the players and the coaching staff that the, the way that they've turned it on when conference play has started. Just, just like the men's side, it doesn't really matter what your overall record is. The only team that's going to the tournament is the team that wins the CAA tournament in March. So they, 
And that's that's actually one thing I think people need to realize about the Kenny Brooks era. He did a great job and everything, but the idea that, you know, he got that opportunity and got that big raise, go for it. People are saying, oh, we should have paid him. That's insane. Yeah. The yeah. Idea. I mean, like, you, you got to be happy. You set a strategy. You got a good guy, uh, Oregon, one of his assistants. Mm-hmm. Brooks was very good, did really well, but it's not like they were making deep runs. People acted like it, JMU women's basketball, which is a very good program. Right. But they acted like it was on the same level as maybe softball. Softball, right. Years. No. And it wasn't. It was nope. a team that, that every year could legitimately say the goal was to go to the NCAA tournament. Right. And and it went, you know, a couple of times. But it wasn't making deep runs. Um, you know, deep. I think people confuse the NIT runs, which are fun, but not really justifying doubling somebody's salary or whatever. No, and I think all of these coaches, I mean, everybody in Division One basketball, men's and women's, they're judged on making the NCAA tournament and progress in that tournament. Yeah. And the bottom, you know, Kenny Brooks can be, you know, he can be eighth place in the ACC and make the tournament. Yeah. Some years. So there's just no doubt. I mean, here he was totally dependent on three days in March, you know, th- where he was going to play three consecutive games. Yep. And, you know, Couple breaks here and there, and they don't make it, and it and it the season ends up looking like a failure when that program had built and built and built. And he, he was outstanding coach, outstanding coach. He was. God bless him. I yeah. hope he does well at Tech. You know, I'll keep an eye on him. I'm not mm-hmm. like cheering for the Hokies, but I will be happy as he continues <laughs> to succeed. Yeah, yeah. no, we're we're no, we'll never stop rooting for Coach Brooks for sure. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't think that's the situation where Jamie did the wrong thing. I think no. they did exactly the right thing, and I think they did the right thing in hiring. Coach O. Yeah, I think so too. And and right now, it certainly looks like they are back on track to be, you know, the most important thing in the CAA is just getting one of those first round, not playing on Friday, right? Yeah. It's just playing, you know, not having to play until Saturday. Everything else doesn't really matter uh, as long as you're set up to not have to play an extra game, not need to win four games to win the tournament. And they're yep. certainly headed in that direction. To, just so you know, the women's team, they will not be around Harrisonburg for another week or so. They have been off this week. They do make their two game. They make the two game Southern trip this weekend to Charleston and Wilmington. So they won't be back around for another 10 days or so, but we're looking forward to watching them the rest of the way and hope they can uh, keep up the huge improvement they've had since really since the holidays. So in conference play. So with that today, we are done with the serious portion. Rob and I, this, our overtime topic tonight came to us because I don't know who that was, Rob, who, Tweeted out the other night. What's your fit? What's the best baseball movie? I don't know. There was, yeah, there was much. And then the Durham Bulls had some thoughts. <laughs> yes, they funny. did. Just funny. And then you and I kind of, I, I responded on our behalf, and I think you didn't necessarily agree with me, and so we kind of went back and forth, and we're having some fun chatting about that. Oh, I just, I, yeah. What was it? Um, one of our followers said, I don't know. He, he brought one up, and I just, I kind of agreed with that. Right. Um, I didn't necessarily disagree with any of okay. I hadn't seen one of the movies you were talking about. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't seen, was it For the Love of the Game? For or? Love of the Game. Yeah, and I was joking I, about that just being a very underrated movie. Yeah, um, I haven't seen that one. Okay. But uh, that, I just, Vince Scully is the announcer in that movie. And that, like, well, it's, that, it's about... That can carry it. Right. It, I, it's horrendous, right? Because it's about Kevin Costner throwing a perfect game and he really can't even make a normal Major League pitching motion. <laughs> for the baseball stuff but the Vince Scully announcing the game definitely carries it uh, yeah. so and there's some funny like Yankee hatred in that movie he's well, that's playing for the Tigers against the Yankees yes and so they're making fun of Yankee fans but in any case uh you want to do our like top three Rob yeah sure yeah maybe some honorable mentions if we miss okay. a couple yeah Th- this will be kind of off the cuff and so I'm sure yeah. I'm gonna 
hang up and then okay. immediately regret everything I said. Me too. Um, my third, my third. Uh, this might be a little bit out there, and this is definitely kind of cheesy of the Disney variety. Um, <laughs> but I loved Miracle. Oh, you the, did? The okay. Herb Bro- yeah, the Herb Brooks one. I saw it in the theater with my friends. Uh, I don't know, like guys from other countries. So it was right. kind of weird watching a, a movie about USA Hockey. And I'm not like the biggest hockey fan. Like I love the Caps. I follow the Caps kind of religiously, but I'm not – I only follow my team. And clearly, I don't remember the actual Miracle on Ice. Uh-huh. Um, it is a cheesy movie, you know, with the yeah. whole rah-rah elements and the Herb Brooks. But I love it. Uh, it to me, I mean, it kind of strikes that balance of of something being unbelievable, but it really happened. Um, I don't know how much how accurate the behind the scenes were with the camps and the whole situation. They were right. players, but I don't know. I'll, I'll do that for my third. Good. Yeah, that that was that was. I thought about that one. Um, and the only thing I just – I have so much trouble in my own mind separating the movie from all the, like, documentaries and things I've seen yeah. over the years about that, right? And that, as a moment, as a sports moment, I don't think anyone who, like, has a pulse or as a fan wouldn't say that's, like, a, one of the all-time greatest moments. Well, Al Michaels' call. Right. Yes. Yeah, the call and everything, right? Just the whole buildup and the story behind it of, I mean, college kids against the best team ever assembled. It's yeah. ridiculous, right? But – I just, as a movie, I get it so confused with all the things I've seen over the years. Yeah. That was one I, I, yeah, as a story, it's unbelievable, but you're right. So that's funny. Um, yeah, I'll save my, my serious one for my second one because um, I can't believe I'm about to say another Kevin Costner one, but I love Tin Cup. So, yeah, I actually like that too. Yeah. I like Cheech very much. Yes, Cheech, is, Cheech Marin is in, is Tin Cup, is the caddy in that movie. Uh, Rene yeah. Russo is the love interest. Don Johnson in a vintage Don Johnson, you know, evil Perfect villain casting. role. Right, yeah. yeah. It's just hysterical. And, uh, you know, Costner has been in so many sports movies. He's sometimes good, sometimes terrible. We're probably going to talk about him again in this list. Yeah. I don't know, right? And yeah, yeah that movie, I mean, here's to the finely tuned athlete on the verge of greatness as they take their last shot before they wake up in the morning. Like, yeah. They go to Waffle House. I just, I don't know. Anyways, that movie will always make, crack me up. That's one that I, I find myself, whenever it's on, I can't turn it off. Yes. Yeah. You know, like whenever I stumble across that, I, I end up watching it straight through. And it is painful at the end. Like it's got, it's kind of like the sports oh. equivalent of that swingers voicemail. Yes. Scene. Like it's just cringeworthy <laughs> right. to watch when you've just seen him continue to, to go for it. Um, Meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. Oh. That's a good one. Oh man. I, I, I should have gone natural for, for number three, but. Um, you can give an honorable get, mention uh, there. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go honorable mention natural. Yeah. That that's just classic. You mm-hmm. know, Redford, the whole the whole mystique of it, Wonder Boy. But um, number two, I'm going to go Sandlot. Ah, there you go. That's what there was a lot of Sandlot people on the on the baseball question the other night. So. I just I I love that movie. Right. Um, although now it's got a little bit of like a Me Too element with the Wendy Peppercorn. But oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. I, was, I was watching that with my kids, and I'm like, oh wait, this is kind of creepy. This part, like, <laughs> my kids don't think that's like a cool thing to do. Um, but I just I love the entire movie. I, I kind of like the nostalgia aspect of it. I like mm-hmm. the whole just summertime and kids, and um, I don't know. I, I love the scene with the one night game of the year. Oh yeah, with the fireworks and the chewing tobacco scene and then obviously you're killing me small as all to me that's just a great movie and my kids actually got it for me for my birthday right. uh two summers ago oh. and i watched it with them and right. they thought it was great they thought it was hilarious yeah but, you get james earl uh, jones in another baseball movie 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, that whole, that whole kind of twist would, yeah, not twist. I mean, it's a kid's movie, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, that, that's a really enjoyable one. It's funny. It's good yep. baseball. It reminds me of my childhood where I was just playing all day, every day. Yes. You know, playing baseball, basketball, football, and you know, just outside messing around. Just outside yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, that's a good one for sure. Um, my number two is my serious one. Um, I will never not love Hoosiers. So oh, there's, that was me the number one. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I just, I, I mean, Hoosiers is so good. There's, I, I do think, I mean, baseball tends to lend itself to great, better movies. I think it's just the sport. You don't have to capture as much in terms of the sporting action. Yeah. Sometimes, right. It's, it's hard to do a good football or basketball movie sometimes because the actors themselves are not good <laughs> at, at yeah. playing those sports. Oh, um, and that drives me crazy. Right. And, but Hoosiers is just incredible. Another one like Miracle that's kind of, that is based on a true story, but it's never been really retold in like documentary form all that much, not in anything that most of us sort of nationwide have seen a lot of. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's great, right? Barbara Hershey. The, the music. <laughs> the music in Hoosiers the music is, is fantastic. The, everything about the coaching part. It, it's funny because to me, it's like Rudy tried to be Hoosiers, but it's just so over the top. I hated Rudy. That you that I hate it. Yeah, it's yeah, like awful I, I, at some point, no, right? And I can't stand it. Everybody's like Rudy's the best. Rudy's the worst. First, <laughs> right. first of all, Rudy shouldn't be on the damn team. <laughs> Notre Dame is terrible. Right. I, I can't stand Notre Dame. Yes. Particularly, I'm I'm a Catholic, so everybody just assumes I'm a Notre Dame fan. Right. I hate them. Um, <laughs> yep. Hate everything about it. Yeah. But and I also can't stand you, you and I both played sports, not like at right. a very high level, but. I can't stand those little Rudy people that were on every <laughs> roster I was ever on. Just right. the no talent, like brown nosing people who like go way too hard in drills and end up hurting you. I, I just, yeah. I can't sit like kind of know your place. Like yeah. there were teams I knew that I, my place was just going to be the role player slash bench warmer. That's fine. You don't need to get up and go like crazy with intensity and, and knock the starters out. I, just, I can't stand Rudy. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's just terrible. It's just so, so bad. It's right. so over the top cheesy. Oh, yeah. I hate that movie. But Hoosiers is the exact opposite of that. It's totally cheesy and yet wonderful. And there's all this yeah. other stuff going on in the background that I think makes it more serious in terms of the coach having a bad history and mm-hmm. what's going on out there and the whole town, you know, town hall scene. And the kid's like, I think I'm going to play basketball again. Yeah. But only if you keep the coach. Right. Yeah. Pick so, a fence. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. I, and then, of course, right, we got um, the greatest, right? The kids, the, the little green men, I was so happy they put me in a coat, but – didn't even matter because we won the game, you know. No, I mean to me that sets the standard. Like mm-hmm. that's just that's the best. Oh, that's awesome. So, did you have another one now that I stole your? Well, big I one? guess I'll go. I don't even. This is gonna sound weird. I don't even know when you think about it if this is really a sports movie. There was a couple I thought, or if it just happens. And this, it's clear. I mean, I'm gonna say Field of Dreams. Oh, I think and that's I a sports that, movie. I thought you were okay, gonna say I'm, Caddyshack because I thought, no, like, and then, then I'm like, that's not really a sports movie. That's good, or yeah, that, that should be honorable mention. That was I an mean, honorable mention. Yeah, but I mean, like Field of Dreams, it's like I guess it centers around sports, but it's more telling the whole story of him and his dad and everything. It's not like one. It's not a sports movie in the sense of like the underdog, and there's not a lot of like action scenes. They're kind of in the backdrop, right? It's not you a know, build up to journey. a particular game. Yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of people think that's awful and to me like that last scene where hey dad won't have a catch like that gets me every time <laughs> yep and people like that's one of those things i guess it's like rudy you either love it and it's like oh my gosh you know that that's the waterworks going it's the best thing ever or it's just like complete dreck um yep. i'm on the waterworks side like that me that too. gets me every time yep um I, I love everything about that movie I, i'm a big james Earl jones fan oh yeah um i like the whole moonlight graham aspect it's yes just, that's just a fun kind of mix of you know 
fathers and sons and baseball and nostalgia and you know it's I don't know. That, to me, that that's another really, really good one. Yeah, I, I love I love Field of Dreams. There's I, I and then the whole Terrence Mann character, which is like maybe based on some other reclusive American authors that yeah, I mean, have you a, the whole catch on the ride, right, like, right, you know, J.D. Salinger, right, is pretty great. Um, love that. So yeah, I think that's a. I, I always like Field of Dreams for sure. And and like you said, there's no real attempt to show these actors. You know, even Ray Liotta, Kevin Costner, all these guys like make them into like look like they're great baseball players right yeah so it's great um yeah i like field of dreams for sure i can't believe kevin Costner. we got talked about three times on this list i know but uh because my number one is major league so yeah. that, <laughs> i said this the other night so and i know this is completely personal when when i was at jmu i i think i've talked about this before but there were my best friends at jmu lived in a suite in i think chapel year our freshman year and they had one of those like TV VCR combos. And I think they had, it was <laughs> Myers and Nelly and Detta. And yeah. the only two movies they had were Friday and Major League. <laughs> and, and we must have watched Major League like a hundred times that year. And there's just so much good in that. We should have got the live chicken. You're trying to yeah. say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, th- there's so many great one-liners. And obviously that group of cast of characters is Renee Russo back again. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's legendary for for good good reasons and bad reasons, right? Wesley Snipes Wild and Charlie Sheen, right? <laughs> to think about the fact that the two of them were in that, yeah. Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen has just always been kind of outwardly like he is what he is. He's a creep. He doesn't hide it. Like but, there's something not endearing. That's the word. But maybe at least magnetic. He's been or, honest, right? You know, at least he, <laughs> he's never tried to be like the all-American guy. What you see is what you get. Um, was he the one that rent, that bought tickets? for the entire outfield of an Angels game so he could try to get a, a home run and they oh. didn't hit one that night. <laughs> I don't know. That, that sounds... I, I think it was him. I think I remember seeing him like properly. on Letterman or something. Tickish. And he was even laughing. He's like, well, you think about it. I didn't get a ball, but it's kind of a better story now. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think in one of his like benders, he went and did that. Bought like well, the entire outfield. I just love that movie for the... Uh, and, and the funny thing about that movie, right, is it was kind of the... It really was where... I don't know what you'd call this art becoming before real life, right? With the ownership issues and stuff yeah. that would come about later on. The idea that an owner would, you know, tank would the team tank. to move a, to be able to move to a better location and they couldn't get a stadium deal or whatever. Inspired you know, Derek Jeter. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that, that it, it's funny that that movie of, which was not ever meant to have any serious steam ended up with some pretty good ideas. Yeah. My, my, uh, my honorable mentions, Rob were, Caddyshack, if it really count, if you want to count it as a sports movie, I, I would probably put Caddyshack in like my all-time top ten. Oh yeah, movies generally, movies, yeah. right? But I don't really think of it as a sports movie. Uh, and then White Men Can't Jump was pretty huge. I think when you and I were growing up, that was yeah, a, I've never seen that in the theater. Yeah, pretty pretty pivotal moment to our childhoods, and obviously another funny group of characters. And and then Bull Durham is my last. And especially living down here at Bull Durham. The only thing with Bull Durham, which I do love dearly and I love, I mean, that's Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner and it's magnificent, but it was really before my time. Like I've only come back to it as a adult sort of, you Yeah, know, I, it's I not something the, I grew up with really. Tim yeah. Robbins pitching motion <laughs> is tough. When you talk about normally it's basketball. That's real readily apparent when guys can't play, but, Tim Robbins' pitching motion is like stomach turning. Right. 
Um, but otherwise, no, that's that's a good movie. A lot of good kind of monologues, and Costner's really good in that. Like, good Costner's still good. Oh, yeah. You know, in those sort of roles. It, yeah. it wasn't a Waterworld type situation. No. And the, the whole idea, I think, of minor league baseball, where it was in that movie, was so irreverent to make a movie about that. Yeah. You know, now was, minor league is so cleaned up, and I think those of us that live in towns like I do, like minor league is a big driving force of your economy, and it's fun, and it's cleaned up, and it's it's very professionally done. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a fun experience, but it's very much like going to a miniature version of an Orioles game. Yeah. And obviously back then, it's funny to me because the Greensboro Stadium is in that movie at one point. That's one of the teams they play. And uh, the know, rain delay one? I, I think they're the actually the in Asheville for the Sprinklers. Okay. But yeah, it's one of those two. Um, but yeah, they definitely take a trip to play at that time, the Greensboro Bats and the Asheville Tourist. Well, you want to talk about like minor league or, or not major? Did you ever see Slapshot? Oh, yeah. I, I thought yeah, about I mean, Slapshot. I'd be fake. I've, I've seen yeah. that. I'd be faking it if I, if I tried to feign enthusiasm for it. I've, I've seen it once or twice. I'd enjoy it, but I'm not, it's not on the level of these other movies for me personally. No, Just I remember of loving Slapshot like as a kid, sort of, in the way I liked like Hot Dog as a skiing movie or something. Yeah. But I didn't really like now it seems I've seen it. If, I tried to watch it sometime in the last year or two, and it's so slow. Yeah, you know, it still has its like funny moments, and I think people that are like really deep really hockey people, hockey. yeah, are always going to love that movie. But I mean, you still you see Chiefs jerseys at Caps games still. <laughs> you do, yeah, yeah, and the Hanson brothers and the glasses and all that. <laughs> right, you know? right. It's a good Halloween costume, actually. Yeah, it yeah. Is. I mean, it's definitely yeah. comes up every year. So, well, thanks, Rob. Um, had fun doing this. Hopefully, this is a little trimmed down from usual, and uh, we'll keep making an effort to make this a uh, little little leaner and meaner as we go through the rest I think of the hoops. longer than we intended even. But. Yeah, as we go through the rest oh, of the hoops regular season. Uh, we are hoping that we will probably try to have on a few guests again sometime soon. That might help take us through the, the winter doldrums uh, before we get to softball. So, yeah. any, so, you got any last words, Rob? No, just once again, thanks for Pale Fire Brewing. Uh, definitely stop by and get a beer if you're in the burg. That's right. Go Dukes. <laughs>